After our encounter with the train, we followed the janitor through a maze of service hallways. She was dressed in an old faded workman's jumpsuit. A tool belt hung low on her waist, and hanging on it I can make out a hammer, a worn leather pouch, and a shriveled claw of an animal I couldn't recognize, among other things. Where do you think she's taking us? I don't know, but between her and what we saw back there, I think she's the lesser of the two evils. Okay, lady. We listened. We're following you. Can you at least tell us who you are? There will be time for that, but first, welcome. The janitor pushed through a door, and we found ourselves in a spacious food court where dozens of people milled about. There were tables converted into makeshift beds, restaurants made into battering stations, and shopping carts formed a wall securing the court from the mall outside. Near the wall stood two men, with caution, wet floor signs, fashioned into makeshift shields, and mop handles sharpened off into rudimentary spears. What is this place? This is our refuge. You live here? All who find themselves lost in the mall are welcome to live here. Are you the leader? Nobody leads. We work together. I am simply a woman who has been here for a long time, cleaning up the people trapped here and bringing them to safety. Allow me to formally introduce myself. I am the custodian of this place. You may call me Linda. I'm Jonathan. Jonathan Barker. And this is my friend Buddy. Jonathan Barker? That cannot be. Nope. Pretty sure his name is Jonathan. Kyle, get the scrolls. Yes, ma'am. We thought it couldn't be true. We thought we would be trapped here forever. See, Johnny? Fate. Not now, Buddy. Look, we have a friend, Amy. Uh, she's in danger, and, and we really need to get to her. Did you lose her in the mall? It would be a terrible fate if the guard found her. Oh no, we were on our way to meet her and kill some sheep. The guard? You mean that big thing that almost got us back there? Yes. This place is filled with all manner of terrible creatures. But you, if the prophecies are true, then you have come to save us from this place. You still haven't told us what this place is. The best way I can explain it is like a tumor on reality. It feeds and grows, becoming what it consumes. If it keeps changing, how do we get out of here? We don't. Why do you think there are so many of us here? But have you tried? We've sent countless runners to find an exit. None have returned. But now that you're here... Ah, thank you, Kyle. You're welcome, ma'am. One of the residents of the food court approached and presented a tray with what looked to be broken and stale cookie pieces. Linda shifted through the crumbs to retrieve a small slip of paper. See? Right here it says... Jonathan Barker is your path to return home. Wait for him and be free. That's it? Your prophecy came from a fortune cookie? Shut up, Johnny. You guys have fortune cookies? Right over there, Wonton Jovi, the Chinese food place. We weren't sure what to make of it when we read it at first either, but we all need hope no matter how small. Give us a minute, Linda. Buddy made a run for the Chinese place. He ducked behind the counter and emerged a second later with a bowl full of fortune cookies. Pick one. I don't get what this is supposed to- Just- Pick one. Dude, we have bigger things to- <sighs> Buddy picked a cookie himself and opened it. He handed me the fortune. Read it. Shut up and listen to Buddy. What is it? Did you plant this? Pick one. I reluctantly picked a fortune cookie and opened it. Look for the second floor family restroom. See? The fortune cookie knows what to do. It's fate. That's an oddly specific fortune given our situation. How'd you do that? My whole life, every fortune cookie I've ever opened, oddly specific. I don't believe you. Here. Believe him. We've been sending Buddy fortunes his whole life. Let me see that. Buddy handed the fortune to me. The slip of paper did indeed insist that I believe Buddy. Do another one. I I'm not convinced. Tell Jonathan to... Oh, the cookie wants you to pick one and open it for yourself. Stop wasting time. We put your name on a fortune for that Linda woman. Doesn't that kind of prove our point? 
You gotta be kidding me. Believe me yet? Okay, second floor family restroom it is. But you didn't think to mention this before, like ever? Uh, excuse me, Linda? I think we have our way out. Can you get us to the second floor family restroom? That'll be tough. The second floor could be anywhere by now. It could even be on the third floor. It's okay, Linda. The cookie knows. The cookie always knows. I handed Linda our fistful of fortunes, proving our point. If these cookies are right, you're sure you can get out? You know, between the mall and the train and the cookies, I'm not sure what I'm sure of right now. We apparently came to rescue you, and the family restroom is as good as anywhere else to start. Is there a mall directory somewhere? It won't do you any good. Not with the way this place changes. Then how are we supposed to know where we are? Always remember, you are here. Linda reached out to place an index finger gingerly on Buddy's chest. The only way I've ever found my way around this mall is by knowing where I want to go and trusting my instincts. So you'll come with us? We can all get out together. I must protect my people. I will not let them leave until we're sure the exit is real. How will you find us if you don't come? We have a system. Linda turned away from us to rummage through her cart. She set aside a jar filled with glowing vicious fluid, a silver blood-stained dagger, and a toilet paper encrusted plunger before finding what she was looking for. She handed me a spool of fishing line, 2,500 feet to be exact, and one half of a set of walkie-talkies. We'll tie this off at the front of the food court. Take the other end to the emergency exit. Radio me when you're safe and we'll use it to guide ourselves out. Linda led us to the wall at the front of the food court. The men guarding it pushed one of the carts out, creating an opening. We tied off one end of our tether and made our way out, stepping over dozens of other bloodied and slack fishing lines littering the ground around us. Well, that's reassuring. We began walking. Every time we came to an intersection, we played rock, paper, scissors, and the winner would close their eyes and pick a direction. But this went on for some time, and I was beginning to get afraid we would run out of fishing line. And also the guards seemed to be coming for us. We've got to be getting close, right Johnny? Hopefully. If we run out of line, at the very least we can use it to find our way back and try again. Trusting fate means no do-overs. And trusting fate also means not doing anything dumb enough to get ourselves killed. Like that stopped us before. Whatever that was, it was getting closer. We were down to less than a quarter fishing line when our radio crackled to life. You guys find the exit yet? Not yet. Our path opened up, and we found ourselves at a railing overlooking a large circular atrium. We can spot numerous floors below us. Escalators stretched down from our level and crisscrossed the open space. I peered over the landing. Can you see the second floor? Uh, not really. It just kind of all gets dark down there after a while. I can fix that. Buddy, no! Buddy smashed out an electronic store window and fished out a flashlight. He twisted the head of it and it came to life. Ta-da! Dude, what are you thinking? You're lucky the alarm didn't go off. You think the alarm is still working? The lights are all out, there's no power here, just the emergency stuff. Now watch out. Buddy pushed past me to the railing and illuminated the lower floors of the atrium with a flashlight. Something large and alive at the bottom floor winced away from the light and disappeared into the shadows. There! Second floor! Please tell me you saw that. Yeah, I saw the second floor. Follow me! Uh, there was definitely something down on that first floor. It's on the first floor. We're going to the second. Just promise me no more smash and grabs, okay? No unexpected noise. Did I hear you say you found the second floor? And turn the walkie down! I promise not to make any more noise. Scout's honor. Dude, you were never- Come on, let's go! We made our way down the escalator to the second floor. As we stepped off, I felt a tug behind me. I was at the end of the spool and was out of fishing line. Ah, 
Damn it. Buddy, help me look around and see if we can find any other string or something. On it. Buddy went off in search of anything that we can tie onto the spool and extend the trail. I didn't want to leave Linda and the other survivors trapped in this place. While looking around, I found a pamphlet for the Melancholy Falls Vortex on the ground and sat down to read it, waiting for Buddy's return. The Vortex was a local tourist trap, one of those mystery spots where everything's built at an angle to play with your perception. It was kind of fitting considering how strange this mall was. Johnny! Johnny, run! What? Why? <laughs> Buddy came towards me at full sprint, the train following close behind him. I was barely back on my feet when he grabbed a hold of my backpack and dragged me off at top speed. I lost hold of the fishing line, and I tried my best to reach back for it. No time for the fishing line, Johnny. The train hates me. The train's smiling mass flapped wildly as it gnashed towards us with broken teeth. It was gaining on us quickly, but we rounded a corner and dove behind an overturned pretzel cart. The cart screeched forward, almost pinning us against the wall. The train had come to a stop and perched its forward half on the top of the cart, tasting the air and searching for us. <laughs> Blood dripped down from the train's mouth, staining my shirt. Buddy reached out for a pair of tongs, and I'm not sure what he planned on doing with them. I think the guard found us. The train was gone, hoisted into the air. I peered out to see a mountain of flesh tall enough that it couldn't fully stand in the hallway we were in. Whatever it was, it had the train in its grasp and snapped it in two like a lobster claw. I think I know what happened to Linda's people. The creature stepped forward from the shadows, revealing a massive ogre wearing a necklace fashioned out of human skulls. That thing was a grotesque caricature of a human being, wearing an ill-fitting security guard's uniform and hunched over the dead train, feeding on its exposed flesh. Does it know we're here? I don't think so. Be quiet and stay low. Where's the restroom? I don't know, but we gotta get that line so we don't leave Linda hanging. Be careful. Thankfully, the monster seemed to be preoccupied with feeding on the train, so I took a tentative step forward and then... Whoopsie. Quiet. Sorry. Buddy backed away from the pretzel cart as the guard turned its attention toward us. Two big gray eyes focused on me as it chewed and swallowed a mouthful of train. Don't move. Jurassic Park rules. That was a movie. Based on probably real science. It's blocking our exit. Hit it with the flashlight. You know, shock and awe. Are you sure? What if I piss it off? Flashlight, now! Buddy threw the flashlight at the guard, striking it in the eye. It recoiled in agony, and we took the opportunity to run. I didn't think that would work, but it totally worked. I meant shun the light in its eyes, not throw it at it. Who cares? Let's find the restroom and go. We gotta go back and get the fishing line. Too late for that. What happened to not doing anything dumb? Yeah, says the guy who threw a flashlight at the monster. Besides, it's what we do. We help people. My gut's telling me we can help them just fine if we keep running. The guard was close behind, pounding after us on all fours. Each of its steps shook the ground like an earthquake, making it hard to keep our balance as we ran. However, we rounded a corner, and I spotted a sign up ahead for the emergency exit. Do you see that? It's the second floor family restroom! Hurry! We made it to the bathroom door and pushed against it. And nothing happened. The door was locked. We both fell to the ground as the guard came to a halt mere feet away from us. It stared down at us. I'm sorry I made us come to this stupid mall, Johnny. The guard leaned in towards us, only to be interrupted by an electric crackle in the air above. A green blob of energy appeared and began to grow in the air. The monster Buddy and I all looked at it puzzled as the blob stretched into a flat, open shape. 
a large handheld spotlight fell from the center of the blob and landed right at our feet. Um, what? Without thinking, I grabbed the spotlight, turned it on, and blasted the guard's face with it. The monster's flesh appeared to burn from the light. A set of keys fell from the green blob of energy above us before it collapsed and disappeared. Buddy picked them up and immediately began to fumble with the door. Buddy, hurry! I am trying. There's too many keys. I mean, it's great that keys literally fell out of the sky and all, but couldn't they have just dropped the one key we needed? The monster continued to grope for us as I kept the spotlight focused on its face. Each swipe got closer as the beast's anger overpowered any pain it was feeling from the light. There! That's it! The doors popped open with a click, and we ran into the restroom, slamming the door behind us. Our backs against the door, we took a look at our surroundings, only to realize we were not in the restroom at all. In fact, we were blinded by daylight. We found ourselves in the parking lot, and not in the restroom. We turned around to find the mall shuddering behind us. The ground shook and reality rippled. The building swelled and then it burst with a gigantic popping sound, fizzling into the air, leaving behind a lost and confused ogre boiling in the morning sun. The ogre took two steps toward us in anger as it collapsed to the ground, flesh melting from the bone. Ha! Take that giant monster security guard. We're alive. Told you, Jonathan. Follow your instincts. Okay, so I have a lot of questions about what just happened. Doesn't matter. We're safe. We're at the car. But what about Linda and her people and and, and Amy? Damn it, I, I need to call Amy. I took out my phone to find that it had full bars. It sprang to life as I held it, missed call after missed call from Amy appearing on my screen alongside countless angry text messages. Amy apparently wrapped things up on her own at the Hofstetter farm, and was extremely not very happy with us for standing her up. Jonathan Barker, the prophecy was true. We both turned around, and we were surprised to see Linda and all of her people approach from the parking lot. Where did you come from? We lost the string and then the guard almost- We waited for hours. We hadn't heard from you, so we were about to send a scout to find you when it was like all the air in the mall got sucked out at once and poof! No more mall. Yeah, that's strange, isn't it? It happened to us too. What do you think happened? In my time, I've seen plenty of stuff get trapped in the mall, but nothing leave. I suppose it was like you popped a balloon from the inside out. But really, who knows? Are we really expecting an explanation for anything we do? Now, do you mind if I use your phone? I'd like to see if I still have any family around. I handed Linda my phone, and she walked away to make her phone call. What about the rest of them? Do you think they have anywhere to go? I don't know, buddy. Maybe the Society of Shadows can- Hey, Jonathan! Someone's calling you! Oh, is it Amy? No, it's a 714 number. Oh, don't worry about it. You can ignore it. Anyways, maybe we can call Zane and get the Society to help get these guys set up somewhere? Do you think he's getting tired of us yet? We literally call him like every other week to clean up stuff. Hey, you know what? If I was meant to come back and deal with the Society of Shadows and all of this weirdness, then the Society was meant to pitch in and help out just a little bit. So you do believe in fate. I knew it. Linda found us and got her people out, and they would still be stuck there if my phone hadn't cut out earlier. You know, maybe some things do happen for a reason. Thank you. You know what I don't get, though? If there's a reason for things, what was up with that portal? That was kind of convenient, right? I find fate works best if you don't overthink it. Yeah, but that was almost like a, a cheap way out, you know? Then I guess we have another mystery to solve, Scoob. Wait, I'm Scooby? Are you hungry? I am starving. You think there's any Chinese places open?
Return Home, Episode 21, Stumbling Through the Mall. You just listened to Part 2 of 2. It was written by Michael Lissenberry and produced by Jeff Heimbuck. It featured the vocal talents of Forrest Orta, Alyssa Ritorno, Michael Lissenberry, Paulina Logan, and Jeff Heimbuck. The original musical score was by Corey Celeste. You can find out more about the show and find Return Home merchandise by visiting our website at returnhomepodcast.com. Explore more of Return Home with Interludes from Melancholy Falls, Volume 1, written by Jeff Heimbuck, available now on Amazon. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash returnhomepodcast, on Twitter at returnhomeshow, and on Tumblr at returnhomepodcast. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a review on iTunes or contributing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash returnhomepodcast. Questions? Comments? Want to board the last train to Funsville? Send us an email at returnhomepodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, pleasant dreams. Thank uh-huh.